And so I'm really excited because tonight we got two people who are friends of ours who you may know, you may not know, but you are going to love getting to know them over the next few moments. So very first person coming up here, her name is Gianni Rand. Gianni, come on up. Gianni, come on up, come on up. Where are you at? There you are, there. So as Gianni comes up, I wanna let you know, Gianni is a small group leader here at TLR, and she actually was a part of TLR at Buckhead when she was in college. So she knows exactly where you are right now. So I'm gonna get out of here so you can hang out with her. But y'all, real quick, one time, let Gianni know how glad we are we're here. Yes, girl, it's all you. Hey guys, can we give it up again for the worship team? If I could sing like anybody on that stage, I would never talk, so amen to that. Uh, Like Matt said, my name is Gianni. I'm a small group leader here. My girls are kind of like sprinkled out. Hey, y'all. And so I just appreciate y'all listening to me. I want to share a little bit about what I would tell my college self, right? So let me introduce myself real quick. I'm a wife. Um, I've been married. I would be, I will be married nine years this year, something like that. Um, And I have a six-year-old son named Cannon who's super energetic. Um, If you've met him, you will know. Um, and I went to the Art Institute, so I went to an art school. Um, it was a cool experience, and I studied audio production. I thought I was going to be, I guess, the next producer, whatever. And so God had other plans for me. Who said woo? There we go. You'll be the next producer. All right. There we go. I'm feeling some love. So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, I am originally from Texas. Anybody else in here from Texas? No, okay, that's all right. Um, <laughs> um, that's okay. I am from Texas, and so, um, so yeah, I've been here a little bit, and um, I say Georgia is my second home. And so as I was preparing for this message, um, I was really thinking about what I would tell my college self, right? Um, so I've been out of college like 10 years, so I'm old enough to be some of y'all's aunt, not necessarily mom yet. And so... Um, I was thinking like, what would I tell my college self? Um, And so as I was talking, like just hearing conversations that I've had with the girls, conversations with even my niece who's college age, and then just really reflecting, the one common theme that I always thought about was like all this pressure we're putting on ourselves. Anybody else feel like they have so much pressure? It's like, man, I gotta make my next move perfect. I know some of y'all do, y'all just didn't raise your hands. That's okay. Um, And so, that, as I was thinking about that, I was like, man, there is so much pressure to make our next move perfect. Does anybody else feel like that? Like whatever your next move is in terms of like, man, I'm getting ready to graduate. I'm about to be an adult, right? I got to na- make my next move perfect. I got to have the perfect job, the perfect relationship, the perfect whatever it is, fill in the blank. And so as I was thinking about that, um, it just kind of brought me back to myself in college. So when I went to school, when I was in college, I had two goals, two big goals after graduation. Um, After I graduated from college, I said I wanted to make a lot of money, like a lot of money, um, and I never wanted to move back in with my parents, right? That's two, like, reasonable goals. And I was like, I'm going to retire by 30, right? I'm going to be, if you look on Instagram, my response was at the, at my age now, I thought I was going to be a retired millionaire, but I'm still working. So, um, and so that was really kind of what my two goals were. And so I just had like all this pressure, not even realizing um, that everything that I was doing was being driven by those two goals, 
those two goals of making, of, uh, making a lot of money and never moving back in with my parents. And so I remember um, I first got introduced to the living room at Buckhead Church. And so let me give you all a little backstory about what my church upbringing was. So I grew up in Texas, and I went to Church of Christ, and it was very traditional. So all this production that we have, there was none of that. The only production we had was somebody behind a, a pulpit with a microphone. And literally that was it. And anywho, they didn't sound like how they sound up here, right? And so the instruments were the voices in the congregation. And so a lot of those instruments in the congregation needed to be tuned. They were off key. Um, they were better off as like door holders or something, you know, something else, like honestly. And so going from that and then going to Buckhead Church on a Sunday service, which if you've never been to Buckhead Church, it's very similar to what we do here um, on Sundays. And so going to that was like super overwhelming, right? Like you're going from something where you literally can't clap in church to, man, they're like clapping and shouting and dancing. And there's like an entire production behind this. It was overwhelming. And so I felt kind of awkward, um, but I was introduced to Buckhead Church by my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, Kyle. Um, shout out to Kyle if he's watching, right? Um, and so, <laughs> so ladies. Um, so anyway, um, he introduced me to Buckhead Church, and we were going for a little while, and I still kind of felt like out of place because I was at that in-between stage of I'm in college, but like I'm an adult, but like not really because like my parents still helping me out a little bit. And so I just remember them talking about the living room. And so I'm like, okay, what is the living room they were talking about? It was a college environment, and um, they had things that were relevant to those that were college age. But the one thing that stuck out the most to me was they said there was going to be free dinner. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, for real. They said it was going to be free dinner. And so I vividly remember <laughs> going to the living room. And at that time, this KSU did not have their own separate living room. So all of the KSU students were bused to Buckhead. And it was KSU, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, and then me from the Art Institute, right? So, <laughs> um, but I specifically remember the dinners that they would have catered. Um, it would be like chicken or barbecue and then like rice or potatoes and then these green beans. And so um, you're probably thinking like green beans, who cares about, let me tell y'all about these green beans, okay? <laughs> these green beans were like a sweet, savory, but it was like this glaze that like, I'm pretty sure God like threw some sauce in it or something. Like it was so good and, and for a couple of weeks because I felt out of place, that was the reason why I was coming to the living room for free dinner. And I like my boyfriend, obviously, right? Like he was part of it, but the, the biggest part of me going was for the free dinner, right? And so I just remember um, being in that environment and then we were going for a couple of weeks and then they started talking about small groups. And I'm like, well, I've already been in one like out of place environment going to like big church. Then I went to the living room, which is a smaller but bigger like nobody, I don't know anybody here. What the heck, let me just try small group. Like I've already felt awkward twice. What's three times gonna hurt, right? And so I remember um, at the time we had a co-ed group and um, luckily um, my boyfriend was able to be in the group with me. I don't even know if they still do co-ed groups, but I remember the first time we went to um, our small group leader's house. Um, we met at their house and their names were Rick and Jamie. I still talk to them from time to time. And 
Do y'all have that place, like, I know we say TLR is home away from home, but do you have, like, maybe that special person's house that you can go to, and it's like, you go there, and it's like, man, I don't have to put on this facade, I don't have to be put together, like, I can ask these questions that are probably crazy, but, like, they'll tell me, they'll tell me, like, the real deal, and they'll give me some real-life advice, and just from, like, the first time I met Rick and Jamie, that was my experience, and so I remember um, it was us, and we had a lot of conversations about a lot of different things over the course of the semester. It was me, Kyle, and some other students. And um, at that time, because we were going to church consistently, um, you know, it was kind of a renewal of, like, me and Kyle's, like, Christian walk, right? But that looks sort of different for each of us, and it looks different for everybody. But the, the most... Um, the biggest thing that I could remember that there was a difference between me and my then boyfriend was in our music choice, right? So when Kyle started to um, kind of renew his relationship with Christ, all he listened to was worship music, right? So like at that time, it was like a bunch of Jamie Grace, a bunch of Toby Mac, and I'm like, if I hear another one of these songs, that might be the end of the relationship. They're incredible artists, but if you hear that for week after week after week after week, right, it gets old, and you're like, man, I don't know if this guy is the one. And so, um, whereas for me, like, I was interning, and I wanted to pursue um, a career in the music industry, so I was listening to non-worship music, right? Y'all fill in the blank, right? So I'm like, okay, um, does that make me a bad Christian? Um, like, I had that pressure of, like, does this make me a bad Christian because I don't want to listen to worship music all the time? And so that was something that, like, put pressure, on my, put pressure on me, put pressure in our relationship, as you can imagine, because we had opposing thoughts. And so we just asked one, once, one night after small group, we asked Rick and Jamie, like, hey, this is the deal. Y'all are a married couple, right, Rick and Jamie? Me and Kyle are in a relationship. Like, he only wants to listen to, to Christian music, and I don't. Does that make me a bad person? And I will never forget what Jamie told me. She said, listen, it's, it's no song that you can listen to that would make Jesus love you any less. Like, it's nothing, I'm about to get choked up thinking about it. It's nothing that you could do that would make him love you any less. And so I remember um, we were talking about music, but that hit home for me because I had all this pressure of like, man, I'm about to graduate. What am I going to do with my life? I got to make whatever this next move is perfect. I have no idea what that looks like. And so as she said that, she doesn't realize how much life that spoke into me. And that would have never happened if I would have never joined a small group, basically. And so when she said that, it was like all this pressure was relieved from me. We were talking about music, and I'm over here about to cry. And she has no idea why I'm about to cry, because we're talking about me listening to non-worship music. But um, it really just... It really just hit home for me. Um, you know, we had had conversations about our future and all those other things. And so that statement right there was like, man, um, if I could tell my college self anything, it would be all this pressure that we're putting on ourselves, um, all these things that we want to do, all this pressure, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's trying to determine what we want to do next in, in terms of careers, or maybe we want to switch our major, but we feel pressure that our parents want us to stay in this major right, whatever that is, right, what, whatever your next move is, God's not going to love you any less. You have to give it to him anyway, right? You have to give it to him anyway. So really, um, what I would tell my college self is three, three things, right? And the first one's going to sound really cliche, but um, it's not, 
right? And it's, it's getting to a small group environment. So whether you're in one or not, like we come to TLR and it's great, right? This is a great environment. The team does an incredible job, but I'm a firm believer that the real life change and life growth happens when you're in a small group, because then you're able to talk and pray specifically, right? When someone's up here speaking, you can't have a conversation. Like, I can't sit here and talk with Serena. That would be super awkward if I were standing on the stage and me and you were having a conversation and everybody else is listening, right? But in a small group, you can do that. A small group, you can have a small group leader speak specifically into your life, right? A small group leader can pray for you specifically. The girls always say, I have magic prayers. That is, is not true. It, <laughs> It's not. I just go to God, and I'm like, hey, this is, what's on, this is what's on the girls' hearts, and this is what's on my heart, and I just want to lift this up to you. It's nothing magic about it, um, <laughs> Serena. Um, and the second thing is um, have raw conversations. Have raw conversations with people you trust. So when you're in college or getting ready to graduate, right, we talked about having, like, all this pressure. You have all this pressure on you. And if you're only depending on yourself to alleviate all that pressure, that it's not going to turn out like it's not going to turn out well. You're just sitting there, you're stuck. So you have this issue, you don't know how to resolve it, but you're looking at yourself to resolve the issue. Right? You're just running in circles. So have raw conversations with people you trust and sometimes that's a small group leader. Maybe that's one friend, maybe that's two friends, maybe that's a group of friends, right? But you have to have those raw and honest conversations with people you trust. And then the last thing is stop thinking about what's next, right? If y'all remember in the, um, when I introduced myself, I said um, my two major goals um, after I graduated from college were to make a lot of money and um, not move back in with my parents, right? And so I didn't realize until I was preparing for this message how that bled into so many areas of my life. Right, so I'm out with friends, supposed to be having a great time, and I'm thinking, like, man, is there something else I could be doing to better utilize my time? I'm sitting in class, like, supposed to be paying attention to my professor, and I'm thinking, man, maybe I should, like, drop out of school and just intern, right? Or I'm sitting in my internship, like, man, this is unpaid, this is a waste of time, they're making me make them coffee, should I drop out of this internship and just do something completely different, because this isn't even guaranteeing me a job? You can't enjoy and you can't even see what God is doing in you right now if you're constantly thinking about what's next. You, you can't, right? You're, you're trying to control the narrative and you're not the creator. And so, um, you know, the good news, right, is that his plan is always better than what we could map out like on our best day anyway. Right? Have you ever made plans, right? And you're like, man, this day is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome, you know, whatever. And then the day that that is supposed to come into fruition, it goes the complete other way. But it turns out being amazing, right? I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You can, you can correlate that to life, right? Like, regardless of what you have mapped out, God is going to do his thing anyway. He just makes us think we're in control, but we're not, right? So um, I'm going to give you a verse, right, um, that as I was, like, reading and preparing for this, I'm like, man, let me see what is applicable. So I'll read out of the message version of the Bible um, because they, like, speak my language. And so it's um, Matthew 6.34, and it says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Man, 
Just let that sit for a second. Right? You have to enjoy what God is doing right now. College is one of the best experiences. One of the absolute best experiences. This is time that you will never get back. Right? But we have to let God do his thing. We have to alleviate ourselves from all the pressure of making sure our next move is perfect. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close kind of with this question that I would have asked my college self, right? Um, and so if someone had asked me this question, I think my entire college experience would have been a little bit different. And so that question is, where do your pressures come from? The pressure of school, the pressure of a relationship, the pressure of maybe going to grad school, the pressure of, man, I'm supposed to graduate in a couple of months, but it's looking like next year. Like, where do those pressures come from? <laughs> well, I thank y'all. I hope uh, this message, you know, spoke to somebody. It's speaking to me. I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience. But um, y'all have a great night, and I can't wait for y'all to hear what Jake has to say. <laughs> thank you, Gianni. So good. I don't know that anyone's ever gone to church for green beans before, but hey, maybe we need to have green beans here. Chick-fil-A, step your game up. Um, listen, as we start having these conversations, what you're going to get to do is, is learn from people like Gianni because the questions that they would have asked themselves are really the questions that you need to ask yourself now. Um, living in the present is so hard to do, especially when you have all these pressures around you of having to live up to some kind of expectation? And it's such a simple question. Like, where's that come from? Who's putting that on you? I think it's incredible. We'd love for y'all to ask you that, uh, ask yourself that. But I also am very excited to bring someone else up, to have another conversation. Um, if you're taking notes, like all of these things, you should be writing down the wisdom from the people who have gone before you. Uh, but our next person coming up, his name is Jake Williams. So as Jake comes up, you can cheer for Jake if you know Jake. Yeah, let's go. There he is. Uh, so here's Jake. Uh, if you don't know Jake, uh, Jake used to be here at Woodstock City. He used to be on the Inside Out staff with me. Uh, and then now, he's, he was so great at what he did that they were like, no, we need to hire him full time. So Jake is now the Inside Out director at Hamilton Mill Campus. Good job, Jake. Thank you so much. All right, so y'all say hey to Jake. Let him know how much you love him. Hey. There we are. And then you take over. Oh, thank you so much. What up? Hey, I'm super pumped to be here. Um, when Matt asked me to come speak, I was like, H-E double hockey sticks, yeah, because this is like home to me. Home away from home, as some may say. You see what I did there? Thank you, Frank. You see what I did? Um, but it's actually funny, um, like Gianni, this is nothing like my home. This is nothing like the church that I grew up in. I grew up in the Methodist church, okay? Any Methodists in the house? Three of us. Perfect. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, we made it. It's fine. Um, yeah, very, very different. Um, I'm from a town called Dublin, Georgia. It's like two hours south of here. You only know it if you stop to pee on your way to like Savannah or St. Simons. We have really nice bathrooms. That's great. Um, another thing about Dublin is it's actually the fastest growing city in America. Because it's Dublin every day. I heard it. I heard it. Yeah, that was a dad joke. I'm so sorry. Matt's never going to have me back. Um, yeah, but I grew up in Dublin and um, I had a great experience in high school. I went to this private Christian school. Um, I was thriving in high school. I grew up in this Methodist church. It was super traditional. Um, and this whole time as, as I'm growing up, I was just like picking up all these little things. Like I was picking up a lot of, honestly, a lot of legalism. Um, I was picking up a lot of like, um, do this, don't do that. Say this, don't, don't say that. And hang out with these people, don't hang out with those people. 
And um, as I was growing up and, and picking up, I didn't know anything better. It's just like, that was my experience. That's, that's how it was. That's what everyone in my school did. That's what everyone at my church did. And so um, I'm growing up and I'm picking up all this legalism. And then I go to college. Um, college is very different. Um, I went to the University of Georgia. Go dog sick them. Okay, thank you, thank you. We, we get one win every like so often. So I'm gonna soak in that for a little bit. Um, we did get one this year. Thank you so much. We did, we did. Someone said Roll Tide on the Instagram, and I was really upset about that, okay? You get every other one. Let us have this one, okay? That was rude. So I went to the University of Georgia, and I remember like my first week there, I just had this moment where I was like, I am so out of my league. Like no one like talks like me, no one acts like me, no one like believes the same thing that I do. And it was one of those experiences that like, if you grew up Christian in high school, people were like, oh, Satan is in college. And so then I went to college, and I was like, oh my God, Satan is here, you know? And so... I like really believed that for a while. In fact, it's so funny. My first week of college, you may have had this experience. Did y'all like have like a RA meeting with like everyone on your like floor? Yeah, okay. So I had one of those and it's like, what's your name? And like, what's your major? And like, where are you from? Yeah, exactly. Um, but then they throw in a really spicy question because we're getting to know each other. We're getting deep here. They throw in the, what's your favorite food question? I'm like, great, diving in deep. Um, but I started learning all the people in my hall by their name and their favorite food. So there was like Buffalo Chicken Wrap Adam. There was uh, Danny Hot Wings. Um, I was Cracker Barrel Jake. Uh, yes, amen, amen to that. Um, but then it kind of escalated as I continued in college and I started learning people in my hall based on the drugs that they sold. So um, there was uh, Adderall Connor. Uh, he was roommates with Cocaine Connor. And then uh, next door was Moonshine Brandon. It was great. Um, they didn't teach me about moonshine at my private Christian school in Dublin, Georgia. And so, um, I decided that I had to find some new friends that I needed to yeah, do something a little different. So um, I got involved in a lot of uh, great environments and ministries and things. I came to an environment very similar to this um, at a college ministry that was awesome, that I loved, that I stayed with all throughout college. I went to Athens Church. I mean, if you're familiar, it's very similar to this one. Um, and then I got plugged into, believe it or not, a Christian fraternity, uh, which is just as weird as it sounds. But I do know how to shotgun a Capri Sun, okay? It's an incredible party trick. And it makes me look really cool. Um, so I did that and I had an awesome college experience. I really did. I feel like I peaked in college. Um, in fact, if you would have asked me a year ago from today or a year ago from when I graduated, um, I would have said, I wouldn't change anything. Like my college experience was awesome. I made all these people, met all these friends that pushed me, they challenged me. Like I left college a better follower of Jesus. I left college as a better man and more confident in myself than I've ever been. I met people who helped me find a place like this to come and work and kind of figure out my calling and the purpose that God had for my life. And none of that would have been possible outside of, of college. But, but honestly, as I've kind of reflected back on it, I realized that um, there are some things that I missed. And the things that I missed make me really sick to my stomach. And that's what I wanna talk about tonight. And, and I don't know if, if you're gonna relate to this. I hope that you do, but... But even if you don't relate to this, someone that you know is gonna relate to this. And so this message is for everyone in this room. It's for everyone outside of this room. And so um, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna actually read a story from the Bible. And it's one of those things that like, when I was growing up in this like conservative, you know, Christian Methodist environment, like the legalistic side of me when I was reading this a few months ago, I was like, Jake, you know this story. Skip, you know, flippy flip, you know, get past it. Um, but then I decided, you know what, like I need, to, I need to like read this with fresh eyes. And so I want to do that with you tonight. It's Luke chapter 19. It's a story that if you grew up in church, you know it really well. It's a story of a guy named Zacchaeus. 
Um, and so I'm just gonna read it straight from the good old Bible, La Biblia in Spanish. This is Luke 19, starting in chapter, or verse one. It says, he, talking about Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Not relatable. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not see because he was small in stature. Very relatable. Short kings, this one is for us. I have to get special pants made. It's true. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see Jesus because he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried, came down, and received him joyfully. Now for some context to this passage, tax collector is like the big theme here. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Essentially what that was, it was a Jewish person collecting money from other Jewish people on behalf of the Roman government. Okay, so that's like if I asked one of you, hey, I need you to go collect $5 from every single person in this room. And then you're like, I'm gonna get me some new shoes. So you say, I'm gonna get $10 from all you. And then, so you start collecting $10. You guys don't know what I asked for. So you just give them the $10. You don't know any better. And they just cheated you out of money and there's nothing that you could do about it. Except they knew it was happening. And so these people hated, they hated the tax collectors. The Jewish people, they hated them, they despised them. In fact, if you read throughout the Bible, it's like Jesus was hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors. Like they were their own category of bad. And so Zacchaeus was the chief of tax collectors, means he's like the chief and the worst of the worst of these sinners. And so as you can imagine, this, this crowd of people, a lot of them were religious people. There were people who we would say grew up in church. There were people who knew the Bible. They, they did all the right things. They obeyed all the laws. They, they did the stuff they were supposed to do. In our context, it's like they come to, to TLR and they know all the songs and they know all the stories and they say all the right things in small group. That's who was in this crowd. That's how I was raised. And so I see myself as someone in this crowd. And then this guy Zacchaeus comes up. And I can just imagine everyone's looking around like, what's he doing here? He doesn't belong here. We're here to see Jesus, the, the, the son of God, the one who's doing all these miracles and teaching all these things. And who's this guy? In fact, the, the next verse is one that we skip over so often. And this is the one that punched me in the gut. It's chapter 19, verse seven. So Zacchaeus has come down from the tree and, and he's, I imagine that Jesus and him are going to his house and this is what it says. It says, and when they saw it, talking about this crowd, they all grumbled. They said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And then I love the rest of the story. It says, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor and I have defrauded anyone. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So basically Zacchaeus is like, hey, everything that I stole from people, I wanna give it back. But this crowd never sees that because they were angry, they grumbled, because this guy, Zacchaeus, who didn't belong, he didn't fit in, Jesus looked at him and was like, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I wanna go to your house. Which I don't know if any of you guys relate to Zacchaeus, like maybe you didn't grow up in church and maybe like you've made a lot of mistakes in your past and you're carrying around all this baggage and you show up to a place like this I mean, you walk in the back door and you feel like, gosh, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if, I'm not like everyone else. I don't, I don't know these songs. I don't, this is kind of weird why they got their hands raised. Like, what is this music? Why is this guy jumping around looking like Khalid? Like, what is, what is going on? And you walk in the room and you're like, there's nothing for me here. 
But then imagine someone looks at you. It's like, I want to go to your house. It's a beautiful story. And that's what we focus on so much. But, but I think we forget about the crowd. I think we forget that, that there was this whole group of people who saw this guy Zacchaeus and they didn't, they didn't do anything about it. Like, yeah, climb the tree, whatever. I'm just imagining how different the story would have been if a single person would have said, hey, Zacchaeus, why don't you come get on my shoulders so you can see? Hey, Zacchaeus, why don't you let me help you to the front? I know these people. I can help you get you to the front so that you can see Jesus. I know that you've probably never interacted with him before. I, I have. I've been following him around. So like, let me help you get to where you can see him. But they grumbled. They complained. Why is Jesus hanging out with him? And I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we want to be the hero of the story. We want to be David slaying Goliath. Or we want to be Noah who had this huge faith to like get his whole family on a boat and survive this flood. And all these crazy stories in the Bible, we want to be the hero of the story. But when I read this one, I'm not Zacchaeus. I'm certainly not Jesus. I'm just a guy in the crowd who thinks that I'm better than someone else. Who thinks that because I know the stuff because I grew up and, and did things I was supposed to do that, that for some reason I belong more than someone else does. And so when I think about college and I think about those four years that I was having a blast and, and I had this awesome community, don't get me wrong, I, I had all these people that were pushing me and challenging me to be better. I had people who stood by me when my dad passed away my junior year of college and drove three hours to be at his funeral and, and just let me know I wasn't alone. And I left that place going, I need that for the rest of my life. But the thing that I missed was that I missed that there were people like Zacchaeus right in front of me. There are people like Zacchaeus across the hall. There are people like Zacchaeus in the dining halls. There are people like Zacchaeus on the bus with me. There are people like Zacchaeus in my classes. And I just wonder how many people I walked past. And I didn't care to know their name. Or I only knew their name because I knew what drug they sold. I wonder how many people I sat next to in class that, that I was too busy for them. I was like preparing for like a small group that I was gonna lead later because I'm so holy and, and all that. And so I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't have time for that. How many people I stood next to on a bus who smelled like weed and I'm like, gosh, this guy. How many people that, that I sat in classes with that I knew they were looking for something that I had the answer to and I said nothing. Because I was just content with myself. The thing that I would have told myself in college if I could go back, the note that I would have written to myself is the same note that I tell myself now and it's this. It's that people will decide who God is based on the way that you treat them. If you're a Christian in the room, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the word Christian, it literally means little Christ. And so if you call yourself a Christian, then the people are obviously gonna look to you to, to try and figure out who God is. That's what they did with Jesus. In fact, in, in the Bible, it says that people knew who Jesus was or who God was because of who Jesus was. And because you're a Christian and you're a little Christ, people are gonna look to you and be like, well, that's what Jesus is like. So if you're walking past him in the halls and you're not giving a rip about them, that must be what God's like. Or that guy, walked, that guy had a Bible in his hand and he walked past me. I, I don't, he didn't say anything to me. He turned his nose up actually. Must be what God's like. 
I walked past so many people when I was in college. And if this is true, then those guys across the hall from me, they must think God does not care a lick about their life. The people I sat next to in class, they must think that God doesn't even care to know their name. That's not true. Because I read the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus calls Zacchaeus by his name. Not a single other person in that crowd knew who Zacchaeus was, but Jesus did. And he called him by his name and said, I'm coming to your house today because you belong with me. Quote Taylor Swift. It's this beautiful story and this whole crowd, they missed it. And they missed the fact that they were actually standing in the way. They were so focused on themselves and their opportunity to see Jesus that they missed that there was this guy that couldn't even see because they were in the way. Four years of college I went and I was standing in the way of someone seeing Jesus. And here's the thing, Jesus didn't need this crowd to, to get to Zacchaeus. Clearly he didn't. He walked straight up to the tree and said, yo, come on, let's go to dinner. He didn't need this crowd. And the reality is he doesn't need me, he doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. But you can't do it if your back's turned. You can't do it if you're grumbling and complaining that they're even in the room in the first place. You can't do it if, if you're walking past people every single day that you see every single day that you could easily have a relationship with, you don't even know their name. You see, we say home away from home here and, and it's more than just like a catchy phrase. We say it because we truly believe that every single person who walks through that door belongs in this place. Every single person. That guy who showed up to class hungover, he belongs here. That girl who grew up in church and is a goody two-shoes like me, she belongs here. The guy who's questioning if he can ever truly be loved because everyone in his life has walked out on him and neglected him, he belongs here. The girl who questions her value and her worth and if her life means anything because of what someone has done to her or said to her, she belongs here. I don't know your story, but I know you belong here. And it's not really because I say so. Honestly, it's not because the team here says so. It's not because Matt says so. It's because God says so. Because if someone like Zacchaeus can belong here, so can you. If someone like Zacchaeus can have this moment where he turns his life around and he writes every single one of his wrongs and there's this huge redemption story for him, so can you. And so can that person that you think is too far gone. So can that person that, that you question if, if they're even in the moment, if they're not high all the time, they belong here too. And in a room like this, I can imagine there are people who walked in, maybe you were skeptical to walk in, maybe you, this is your second, maybe you came for the free food, okay, we don't got green beans, we got Chick-fil-A. And maybe you came for that. And I can imagine there's some of you in the room who've been really hurt by the church. You've been really hurt by people like me who call themselves Christians but walk right past you like your life means nothing. And I just wanna say I'm sorry. If I could go back and change anything, I would. And for those of you in the room who are Christians who say that you're a follower of Jesus, y'all, we gotta do better. 
we got to do better because the reality is that some of us are standing in the way of someone seeing Jesus for who he really is. They're looking at us with our backs turned and we're grumbling. They're like, that must be what God's like and I don't want anything to do with that. That must be who Jesus is and I don't really care to know him if that's what he's like. That's not true. God loves you so much and he cares about you so much. He cares about me so much. He cares about this place so much and he cares about you knowing that you belong here. He cares about every single person knowing they belong here. They belong at TLR. They belong at Woodstock City Church and they belong in the family of God. Every single person does. But we can't tell them that if our back's turned. I think the reason that I struggle with this so much is because no one really ever told me that I belonged. They just assumed that I knew that because I knew all the stuff and I, you know, came every week and whatever and I grew up in the church and so they just assumed that I knew that, but no one ever really told me that I belonged here either. And so it felt like if I don't get to belong here, then why do they get to belong here? And I feel like if someone would have just told me that, it would have changed everything because people who know they belong They'll tell other people they belong to you. When people know that their past can be rewritten, they will tell other people their past can be rewritten. When people know that they are loved despite what they've done, where they've been, who they've been with, then they will tell other people the same thing. But we gotta turn around. We gotta see who's trying to climb a, climb a tree because people are. Y'all people wanna know who God, people are looking for an answer and we have it. We're so focused on ourselves. I was so focused on myself. And so I want to ask you a question, and it's, it's kind of a painful question, but it's how we get better. It's how we do this better. It's how we make this a place where everyone truly feels like they belong, not just something that we say, but something that we do, something we act out. And here's my question. What does your life say about who God is? If people are gonna decide who God is because of the way that you treat them, then what does your life say? What do your actions say? What do your words say? Mine told people <laughs> that God is too good for them, that they're too far gone, that they're not important enough, they don't matter. But that's not what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus didn't have to clean anything up. He just had to be available for Jesus to come over for dinner. What does your life say about who God really is? And if you're not a Christian in the room, I wanna ask you a different question. And this might be hard. But I want you to think about your friends who are Christians. And what does their life say about who God is? And if you're really brave, Maybe you should tell them. Because if someone would have told me what my life was saying about who God is, I promise you I would have done something different. I'm honored to get to hang out with you guys and I'm honored that, that we get to have these conversations that this is a place that we can get better. I don't know if y'all watch the Christian world news, but the church is really sucking it up right now in a lot of ways. But we can do better. And I want us to do better. I want you to do better. I want me to do better. I love you guys. I love this place. I love getting to be here. It really does feel like home for me. 
So thank you so much. Thank you for saying yes to showing up tonight, even if you felt like it was weird. You belong here. Everyone belongs here. Y'all are awesome.